Fantastic. Well, it is great to be with you this evening and a very special honour to be sharing with you on Mother's Day. I just want to um, extend my great thanks to all the mums in the room, whether you are a spiritual mum, a biological mum, an adoptive mum, a foster mum. We want to thank you and honour you for your sacrifice and the love that you pour out. So thank you. And just like Twig prayed, we want to acknowledge that Mother's Day isn't always a joyful day for some people. There is loss, there is pain, loss of a child, loss of a mum, sickness. Um, Even those mums who might be in the room, so those women in the room who might desperately want to be a mum and that's just not happening. We want you to know that tonight we see you, we love you, we value you and as your church family we stand with you. So just sending you all our love today. I'll be honest with you, I was pretty surprised to be asked to share on Mother's Day. Uh, My experience of mothering extends to pot plants and a cat. And to be honest, sometimes that's even touch and go keeping things alive. So yeah, here we are. Um, But you know what? There have been some times as as a firm mum where I've gone, I wonder if this is what it's like to be a mum. You know, there's been nights where I'm I'm cleaning cat vomit off the carpet or when I wake up in the middle of the night to these two little beady eyes just staring at me. I'm like, maybe this is what it's like to be a mum. There was an incident a year ago. I'm actually mortified to be sharing this with you, but here we go. I was speaking with a new mum and she was sharing with me about the struggles of being a new mum. You know, it's a big adjustment. The baby's up all, all hours of the night. And without even thinking, in my total naivety, and before I could stop myself, I said, our cat does the same thing. (laughs) I I know, dumb, never do that to a new mum. Don't do that. It's like in that moment, you know, in Paul's conversion, the scales came off my eyes and I was awake and I saw myself for who I was. I was a crazy cat lady. Um, So we have since repented and found healing from that, and I now know that you cannot compare cats to real children. So um, if actually, if that was you tonight, I'm so sorry. I hope you can forgive me. I have learned. We've moved on. But there is actually something that I want to share with you tonight that I have firsthand experience in. It's called the Maya Phenomenon. And you probably haven't heard of it because I made it up this weekend. I think we've got a graph for it on the screens coming up shortly. So down the bottom of the x-axis, you see age in years. Up the top, we've got the line of acceptance. And what the Maya phenomenon is, it stands for mum is always right. (laughs) And the Maya phenomenon actually tracks a child's acceptance of this fact over the first 20 years of their life. So you'll notice as a newborn, it's really high because newborns are totally dependent on their mothers for survival, so they tend to know that mums are always right. There is a significant drop at the age of two. We call this season the terrible twos. And this also correlates with a spike in tantrums. You probably see them at the grocery stores, some of the young adults, youth. And then there's also another drop at the age of 16. And um, this is mostly prevalent in, in young women but you also see it in young men. And eventually, don't worry parents, it starts to go up towards the age of 20. And around that 20, 25 age, finally the young ads cross that line of acceptance into fully accepting that their mum is always right. So parents, hang in there, it's coming. 
Um, people who have not yet, younger, younger ones, myself, I made it, but I just want to say, um, the sooner that you accept this and cross that line, the better. No, no, seriously, speaking from experience, I was a 16-year-old girl once and I look back and I go, oh man, mum was so right, she just knew. So yeah, word of advice, cross that line because the only other person who is as right as mums are is God. There you go, truth. And as I was preparing for tonight, I actually felt that God laid on my heart to speak on his character and I said, oh, God, it's, it's Mother's Day. You know, we kind of need to talk about something, you know, motherly. And, you know, you're, you're God the Father, God our Heavenly Father. But the more I dug into it, the more God revealed to me that while he's called our Heavenly Father, he, in fact, also describes himself as a mother. And it's evident right from the start. If we take a look at Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. You see, God created two images to demonstrate his character. Male and female. Masculinity and femininity. Mothers and fathers. A Bible commentator who's got a PhD in the Old Testament said both man and woman reflect God's image and likeness. So we shouldn't be surprised when these feminine depictions are used to describe the character of God. God's character cannot be fully understood in man alone. In fact, our understanding of God and who he is is incomplete without the image of women and also mothers. And it's almost as if God knew we might kind of skip over this because he repeats it three times in that verse. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God's image and character is displayed in both men and women. But what is God's character? Well, in Exodus 34, God for the first time in the Bible, describes his character. And verses five to six are actually repeated 20 times across the whole Bible. So you know it's gotta be important. And just for a bit of context here, the Israelites have been saved from slavery out of Egypt. And they are learning what it means to be God's children, God's chosen people. And Moses is going up Mount Sinai to carve out the second copy of the Ten Commandments. If, if you didn't know, Moses kind of smashed the first copy in rage. He came down the mountain and found all the Israelites had rebelled against God and were worshipping this idol, a golden calf. So smash goes the Ten Commandments. So once that situation is sorted, Moses goes back up the mountain, take two of the Ten Commandments. But before he does that, God speaks to him. In Exodus 34, it says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, 
I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. This is the first time in the Bible that God describes his character. And the first description he gives us is a God of compassion. If we dig a little deeper, and actually the Bible Project has an amazing series on this, so if you're interested, check them out. They will go into it far better than I will. But if we dig deeper into the Hebrew mean of this word compassion, it has been carefully selected to paint a beautiful and very specific picture of God's character. The Hebrew word for compassion is rakum. But it is closely related to another Hebrew word, rakim, which means womb. The very first picture God gives us of how we should view him and how he views us is this, a mother and her children. A description that God intentionally uses to draw out his nurturing nature the first word that God uses to describe himself. He wants us to view him as a nurturing mother, as wombly. There are other examples of God describing himself as a loving mother and compassionate mother all throughout the Old Testament. Let's have a take a look really quickly. Isaiah 66 As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. In Deuteronomy and Isaiah, God compares himself to a woman in labor. In Hosea 11, again, God describes himself as a mother, saying, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness and ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. I bent down to feed them. But perhaps one of the most beautiful and intimate descriptions God gives us is in Isaiah 49. It says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Just take a moment to picture this. This could be harder for some of us who haven't experienced this. But nursing a child is this incredibly intimate and beautiful moment. The mother is holding her child centimeters from her face, gazing down at them lovingly sacrificing to give this child life, sustaining this child with her own life. And that is how God says he wants us to view him. The other interesting thing about compassion described in the Bible is that it's not just a feeling, but an action. There is this incredible thing that happens when a woman becomes a mom. I did some research in it. Her brain changes dramatically. It undergoes a process, here we go, science nerds, called neural pruning and rewiring to produce new synaptic connections to help her protect and take care of her baby. And it starts when she falls pregnant, so she is prepared as soon as that baby comes 
to be in their family. A scientific journey says this, studies have found that all the synaptic pruning and neural building that fundamentally alters the physical structure of a mother's brain serves another critical purpose, empathy building. Researchers have unearthed strong evidence that mums respond to infant cues like crying, snuggling, sleeping, with an increase in brain activity that governs empathy, self-monitoring, and reflection. In other words, when a mother bonds with her baby by tending to their needs, a part of her brain, the part that manages empathy, actually grows. MRIs taken of a mother's brain when she hears her baby's cries so the brain lights up in response within a second. Those areas that light up are associated with empathy, compassion, and notably alarm because the instinct is so strong to respond. When a mother cannot reach her baby and comfort them, she may begin to feel frustration and even anger. Whoa. And this is how God has intentionally designed mothers, that they would be wired for compassion, that their brains would be physically altered to give them a greater capacity for compassion and be moved to action by the cries of their child. And God created this beautiful change to reflect his image, to reflect his compassion that moves him to act in response to the cries of his children. Like a mother compelled to action by the cries of her child, God is compelled to action by the cries of his people. We actually see a great example of this in Nehemiah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament. And he witnessed the Israelites rebel against God again and again. He says this in Nehemiah chapter nine. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. And from heaven, you heard them. And in your great compassion, you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And they cried out to you again. And you heard from heaven. And in your compassion, you delivered them time after time after time after time. When the people rebelled and turned away from God, he gave them over to their desires and to the consequences of their desires that led to oppression. But our loving and compassionate God could not bear to hear his children in pain. He could not bear to allow them to cry out in vain, even though they did not deserve it, even though they had brought the situation upon themselves, God, in his motherly compassion, is compelled to act and deliver them from their suffering. Because God is compassionate, And because we are his children, God is compelled to rescue us and relieve us of our pain and distress. I want to tell you a really important truth tonight. God will always respond to those who call on him. 
God will always respond to the cries of his people. It's God's compassion that brings about our deliverance, the deliverance of his people. And if we truly want to understand the extent of God's compassion, we need look no further than Christ, who is the embodiment of God's compassion. You may know that while the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in a couple of different languages, one of them being Greek. And one of the most common words used for compassion in the Greek translation is splagno. And it describes this feeling of compassion deep in your guts. And it's tied again to this idea of a feeling in your womb. There are so many stories of Christ's compassion, the ultimate of which took him to the cross in our place. But tonight I actually want to share with you a beautiful story in Luke chapter 7. And to give you a bit of context for this, Jesus has been traveling around, healing people, teaching people. In the verses just prior to this, he has just healed a Roman soldier's slave, just at a word. Didn't need to look at him, didn't need to touch him, just spoke and the man was healed. And so Jesus and his disciples are traveling to the village of Nain and they are walking into a village just as a funeral procession walks out. You see, according to Jewish custom, dead bodies are considered unclean. And so they are removed from the city where the clean people are and buried usually within 24 hours. And Jesus sees a woman in the procession. She doesn't see him. She is too distraught, in too much pain to even know he is there. But he sees her and compelled by his compassion, he steps in and intervenes. This is what Luke chapter 7 says. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion, the same wombly compassion we just spoke about. Don't cry, he said. Don't cry. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, Get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. I love that line, it's beautiful. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. This poor widow had lost her husband and now she had just lost her one and only son. Do you know what it means for a woman in ancient Israel to have no one left in her family, no men to support her? She had no rights, no protection, 
no one to provide for her. She was all alone. Her family was gone. Her hope was gone. Her joy was gone. And she is walking beside her son's dead body, barely holding it together, barely able to put one foot in front of the other. And Jesus sees her and he knows her and he chooses to enter into her heartbreak and her pain and he's moved by compassion, moved by motherly compassion to intervene. He cannot help but respond. So Jesus goes up to the coffin. He reaches in risking his own ceremonial cleanliness, but he doesn't care. He reaches in and you you can just see him just taking this son by the hand and giving him back to his mother. Jesus took the son and gave him back to his mother. In verse 16, it says, the people said, God has visited his people today. And do you know how they recognised him? Do you know how they recognised that God was walking among them? By his compassion. Luke tells us this story because he wants us to understand the character of God. He wants us to know what God looks like, what the embodiment of God's compassionate character looks like. And this is the same God who sees you, who is moved deeply by motherly compassion to act for you, to deliver you, to rescue you. I love the motherly character of God. Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness who lavishes unfailing love to a thousand generations. When I was writing this message, I was was really deeply moved by this motherly image that God chooses to show his character, chooses to show us his compassion. Just this intimate, beautiful image of a mother, a nursing mother, A mother who hears the cries of her child and cannot help but respond and rescue them. And I just pray that I was able to communicate that to you tonight. And as I was thinking for a response this evening, I think sometimes we need to be reminded that God hears us. That like that woman, even if we don't notice he is there, He sees us and he knows us and he hears your cries. I want to invite the band to come back up. But tonight I'm just so aware that there are people who might be in some really dark times. Who might look around and all they see is darkness. And tonight we want to give you an opportunity to cry out to God and say, God, I need you. I need you to come and intervene. I need you to be compelled by compassion to rescue me from this because he will hear you. 
at the same time, I would love you to be just transformed by this new revelation of God's character, this new picture of God's love for you. And that you can just bask in his love and compassion, be covered from head to toe in his unfailing love, in his motherly compassion. Let God step into your situation. Stop running, stop hiding. Let him love you. Let him love you like a mother loves her child. Let him intervene in your situation and let his love breathe life into things that were once dead. And I just pray that tonight God would give you a fresh revelation of how high and how wide, how deep and how far is the love of God. Would you join with me as we pray? Loving God, we thank you for this beautiful picture of who you are, for your beautiful nature, for the love and compassion that you lavish on us to a thousand generations. We pray that tonight you would help us just to see you in this beautiful light, to see you as a mother nurturing us, your children. And Father, we'll lift up anyone who is here tonight who is in the depth of despair. And I thank you that you hear them. You hear their cries. You know them intimately. And they are loved by the Lord God Almighty. They are seen, they are known by you. And you will reach down. And like a mother to her child, you will rescue them, you will deliver them, you will answer them, Father. We thank you that your love is unfailing. We thank you that you are here with us now, that you lavish us with a mother's love. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we worship and just use this time. Cry out to God. Say, God, I need you now. I need you to come and help. I need you to rescue me. I need you to intervene. I want to invite you, if, if you would like prayer, we're here for you. We want to stand with you tonight. We have a team at the prayer lounge. We've got the team down the front. We would love to stand with you and cry out to God with you. Why don't we join as we worship?
God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. Thank you, great God, as we honour and worship and praise you now. And just as we sing those words, we're reminded, great God, of your faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, uh, that when we cry out to you, you do hear us. Such an appropriate song as we just wrap up, Lord, to know that uh, you hear us, you're with us, you comfort us, the great comforter, great God. I know that there's some here tonight that they just feel like they're, they're facing a brick wall. They just feel like there's just that sense of darkness pervading every aspect of their lives, great God, and they desperately need you. And I just wanna give you an opportunity in this moment as we pray, as we seek the Father, I wanna give you an opportunity just to cry out to Him. I wanna give you an opportunity just in your head and in your heart to pray, to lay before Him at the cross the very things that you're wrestling with, the very things you're struggling with, the very things that you desperately long for Him to break into, the very things that you seem like too overwhelming, the very things that seem like there's no way this could be turned around or restored. And, but God, God is the God of the impossible. God can do all things His Word promises, that nothing is impossible for Him. And in this moment, I wanna give you an opportunity to say, God, I need you in this area. This is between you and Him, but in your head and in your heart now, would you cry out to Him and know that the great comforter hears every single word that you pray. So why don't you take that opportunity now, just in this moment, to call upon Him. Thank you, God. You hear every single prayer. Psalm 18 states, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help and He heard me from His sanctuary. My cry to Him reached His ears. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because He delights in me. I thank you for your word, great God. And I thank you that you delight in every single one of your children, great God. And as we pray and we cry out to you, we thank you that what seems impossible, you can do. What seems impossible, you are the God of the impossible, that all things are possible with you, great God. I thank you, Lord, that you are close to the brokenhearted, near to those that need comfort, Father. I thank you that you've heard every single prayer tonight. We honour you tonight, we worship you, and we thank you in advance by faith of what you're gonna do this very week. Uh, the answers to prayer. You're such a faithful God and we thank you in advance, great God. We honour you tonight. We love you. We just pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Really good to have you here tonight. Great to have you online as well. Um, but I do just want to say, if you want prayer at all, uh, we would love to pray for you. So yeah, you can feel free to come down after service. I think we've got our prayer lounge up the back as well. There's a team there would love to pray for you. But don't, please don't go without being prayed for. We'd really, we really mean that. I'd love to pray for you. Uh, God bless you with whatever you have in store this week, however God's going to use you. May God use you mightily. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks heaps.